What's up, everybody? Welcome to the off-season edition of the Talkin' Buds podcast. Rye, when we signed off after Game 5 against Columbus, we said we would be back in the off-season if the team made some moves to warrant that and it needed to be discussed. And given what has transpired during the last just under a week in free agency, we got some stuff to talk about. Yeah, I got to see if I remember how to do this properly. Just give, give me one second here. Oh, oh, oh there, you there you go. What is it tonight? I think I still got it. What is it tonight? I think I still got it. I got, all the, I got a Bud Light Lime. I know some may criticize. Oh, some are definitely criticizing. But as a avid beer drinker. Yep. I'm just enjoying the hell out of a good 4%. Don't get too dummied. Tastes good to me. It's It may not be the most manly beer in the world. Get over it. All that matters right? is it tastes That's good That's what I'm you. having. All that matters is it tastes good to you, Ryan. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy it. So, what else is new? You've been watching any sports? You watch uh, the NBA Finals. How far did you go with the NHL postseason? Let me ask you that. Because I got to tell you, man, I got about halfway through the second round. And I was like, I I just... Like, once the Leafs are eliminated, it's just... It's so hard for me to... Like, I'll, I'll put it on and have it on in the background. But am I able to, like, intently watch... No, I just I just can't do it. Yeah, I don't think it's a league where the average sports fan can just turn it on and be involved in it. It's the hardcore hockey guys who are just sitting down and watching that, man. Like the average guy can can watch LeBron James in an NBA final because they just know about the history, the name value, whatever and get right into it. I I honestly I I did not watch a hell of a lot of the NHL playoffs. I'm not going to lie. I know we're a hockey podcast and it doesn't sound too great, but man, I, I just could not get invested. And I didn't mind watching the Dallas stars. Actually, they were, they were a good story for me, but the, other than that, like I could not get invested in any other hockey team. No way. Having said that though, give us, give us your quick Coles notes take on the Stanley cup champion, Tampa Bay lightning. It's about damn time for that franchise, and you know what? I find it an absolute shame that Steve Eiserman, who spent years putting together that hockey team, going through drama with Marty St. Louis, sticking out with Stamkos, and through those generations of good teams, it's like that original core that was supposed to do it kind of aged, and then Braden Point showed up, Kucherov showed up, Hedman reemerged, and and they they finally did it. And they see what happens when you add to your bottom six and you add some depth. It, it makes your top players feel more confident. And, man, I, I just feel bad that Stevie Y couldn't enjoy that cup uh, as a Tampa Bay Lightning because, man, he built that team. Like, I've n- almost never seen uh, a better team, like, built over the years with his moves. I know he went back home to Detroit, which is – which is cool, but man, I, I wish I could have saw Stevie Y celebrating that cup. When I watched the Tampa Bay Lightning, I think maybe the reason I think this 
feel this way when I watch them is like pick your cliche. The grass is always greener on the other side. You want what you don't have. However you want to spin it. I cheer for a hockey team that is offense, offense, offense. High-powered offensive forwards. And you watch the Tampa Bay Lightning and you watch Victor Hedman and you're just like, oh my God. Like what, what is it like to have a big, mean, yet still elite number one NHL defenseman? What is that like? What does that feel like to watch that every night? And I'm not into the whole, this guy's the best player on the planet. People love saying the planet. To get their point across, but there's no doubt in my mind that Victor Hedman's the best defenseman on the planet. Yeah. Like, whoa. This guy is unbelievable. And it's his story's amazing because when he got drafted, such a highly touted guy. And it's like, it took him a while to finally reach that though. Like he he didn't just step in and do that. He kind of was average for a bit not average, but like not what you see today. And it took him time to get there. And it's just amazing that after all these years, he finally is that centerpiece and like just unbelievable. That guy's unreal. Yeah, it's um he is. He's he's really something to watch, man. That's that was my biggest takeaway from when I was watching. I was like, oh my god, this guy's a good hockey player. So congrats to the Tampa Bay Lightning Cup champs. Now, to the business at hand. Our beloved Toronto Maple Leafs. Here we go. Going into the draft and going into the free agency, the opening of free agency, I should say, Kyle Dubas said, Ryan, that he wanted to make the Maple Leafs tougher to play against. What what does that mean to you, tougher to play against? Because I listen to a lot of podcasts and I read a lot of articles on this team, and one thing I learned is... People interpret that in all kinds of different ways. Harder to play against is exactly what they've gone out and done. Like, But when Kyle Dubas says that pre all these moves, I, I'm still a little nervous. It's like, well, maybe he's trying to find the guy with the best Corsi hanging around. Like that. That's his version of like tougher to play against. So I was, I was a little skeptical of that comment the only thing that was in the back of my mind is this team has been a failure year after year after year and it's time for the president to step in and hold this guy's hand a little bit and kind of force his hand to be like yeah you know what you have your philosophy but this league has been around for a long time and you look at the teams that have won the stanley cup year after year after year, and they have a formula, a overused word culture that is just so obvious that this team does not have. So the only thing that I was positive about going into that with that comment being made was that hopefully Brendan Shanahan is side by side with this guy and all these decisions that are being made. Well, we did hear um, rumors that... uh Shanahan had expressed that he would like to see a cultural shift inside the Leafs dressing room. And I think it just speaks to how a lot of people feel, which is, you know, this, the team does come off like a bunch of entitled kids who in reality 
haven't won anything, haven't accomplished anything. Like Matthews is a bit different. Guys want a Calder trophy and is is considered an elite forward in the game. But like I think you're talking more about like the Kasperi Kapanen, who is no longer here. Um, the Andreas Janssen, who is no longer here. Um, William Nylander, everyone's favorite guy to pick on, William Nylander. I'm going to pick on him a little bit. Like, just like, he may not be, but he definitely does come off as super entitled and with a chip on his shoulder. And I know you need that to a certain degree, but at the same time, like, easy there, bud. Like, you haven't, you, you guys, you guys are a playoff disappointment three years running now. I'm not going to count the first year against Washington, but three years running now, you guys have been a playoff disappointment. Absolutely. And, and I sit back and I Google Maple Leafs roster and I just go through the hockey DBs of all these guys and these top players, the young core, guys who dominated their junior careers, just unbelievable talents, points everywhere, just offensive talents and they enter this league and they all come together as a group and I'm looking at the roster and I'm like okay you bring in a guy like Jake Muzzin who's won something who's been a part of something special but it's like you you bring him over it's just one guy it's one guy against the whole culture you know he comes in maybe with a fresh attitude but then time goes on and and the way the dressing room is, the way the attitude around the team is, it kind of just, what can one guy really do? And I think that the mission this offseason had to have been what Brandon Shanahan said, the cultural shift, because these guys clearly, as a group, cannot learn how to win. It, maybe that's not fair, but three years for the money being doled out of first-round exits is just not good enough. So let's try and come up with a plan to bring players in who are veterans and also play the style of game that fans are looking for and that I'm sure Brennan Shanahan's looking for. All right, so before we get into all the um, new additions to the roster, just give me your thoughts quick on Jason Spezza re-upping for one more season at seven hundred grand. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Great. Yeah, just you know what? I'm all about like yeah, he's not going to bring the house on fire, but you know what? You can fill him in on the power play. You can fill him in on a top 6 for a game. And it's just a, it's name value, it's veteran presence. It's the the rumors that he's just a beauty in the locker yeah, room and all the, the guys love him. Teammates, yeah. Yeah, so it's like 700 G's, let's go. Like I'd rather have him than Freddie the Goat. God bless Freddie the Goat, but goodbye. So, speaking of veteran presence and speaking of harder to play against, not very long after the free agency window opened, the Maple Leafs signed Wayne Simmons to a one-year, $1.5 million contract. Um, local guy. Everyone's really excited about that. I, I personally really like the signing. I think it's a good uh, contract. I think it's good. Like I like this this trend of one year deals. That's something that I can get behind. Um, and he's the exact type of guy. Like when when you think harder to play against, 
he's the type of guy you think of. And then they interviewed him on Sportsnet after, and he, he gave some quote about how he's for the boys, and if someone messes with one of his teammates, he's the first guy in there. And I just kept thinking about like some of the other Leafs just standing there in shock that going in and mixing it up in a scrum after the whistle is something that you you actually do when you're a professional hockey player. And this is a guy who can act like you can jump in the scrum and like get in there, but this is a guy who can jump in the scrum and actually punch somebody in the face and like hurt them. Yeah. Which is like obviously not the goal, but like that knowing that he can do that is is a factor. Yep. And him being a local guy, I've said this to a couple people. We haven't done a pod in a while, but if you're a local guy amongst this pandemic, like and you make Toronto or the GTA your home in the offseason, it's the perfect time to come home and play for this team. Yep. To be home, to be around your family, to live a somewhat normal life. And one year, a million and a half bucks for a guy who has basically been coming to the Leafs for two years. Like trade deadline, free agency, go get Wayne Simmons. Let's go get Wayne Simmons. Wayne Simmons. And finally, the guy just signs for a million and a half bucks. It's it's crazy to me. Yeah. And when he played in Philly, 30 goal scorer, top power play guy. Like, dude, this is just a phenomenal signing. He's he's like, let's go. He's had a he he had a down year last year and not a great year in uh Jersey the year before that, but he's battled some injuries and he he also mentioned in the sports and interview that he's feeling better and he had some time to sort of get his body right, which is good. And if anything, Ryan, like this is a guy who's going to play in your bottom six. Like I'm big into the cultural shift in this team. I just like not to get off tracker, but I just want to go on a side tangent. Like I mentioned earlier that I, I try and digest as much Toronto Maple Leaf media as I can, because I love getting all the different perspectives. And then I love when you and I talk to just remember all those different perspectives. But at the same time, man, like, there are some fans of this hockey team who just, for whatever reason, don't understand and or believe in intangibles and how important they are and how having the right mix of guys in your room matters. And I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get why some people just can't get their head around that. It's like you 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 look at the teams that win cups and it's like that's what it is. It's a mix of skill and character guys and having you need the character guys to mesh with the skill guys and to buy into the system or as Kyle Dubas says the program that the organization is trying to deploy. And I, I don't I don't get it. Like, I don't get why some people just just can't wrap their head around intangibles. And honestly, Ryan, I don't care if this guy scores goals next year. I really don't. Like, all I care about is he's out there and he's got some of the guys on the other team looking over their shoulder and he makes a guy like Matthews feel, if someone comes and tries to mess with me, Wayne Simmons is going to be in their face in two seconds. And that's that is important. It's important. Well, to those fans, look at the team that just won the Stanley Cup. Look at the changes they made during the season in the offseason. Their main goal was to beef up the bottom six. That's exactly what they did, and look what happened. They won a Stanley Cup. But Ryan, the possession numbers. I know, it's ridiculous. The possession it, it, numbers are bad. 
I'm I'm everything you just said. Maybe me and you are brothers or something, but we agree on that 100%. And we agree on most things because it's true. Intangibles do matter. Just having a guy who can drop the gloves, who can throw the body, and who has had some serious offensive success in this league, like, why not? Why not? He's not expected. He's making a million and a half bucks, man. He doesn't need to play on the first PP. The whole premise of this team is the core is locked down with guys who should be in the top 20 in scoring every year. That's what their skill is. So when you bring in a guy like this, his job is to stay healthy, throw the body, chip in offensively when he can, and and be that guy to make everybody feel more safe and to scare the other team a little more. And just bring a veteran presence to the locker yes. room and a guy who's been around the league, who's played with some damn good players. Yep. That That's it. Like It makes all the sense of the world to bring in veteran hockey players. It makes all the sense, especially looking at their depth chart last season. Like w- the bottom six was just filled out with a bunch of guys who could skate away on a breakaway, and d- and, but did nothing. That's it. But didn't score. Did nothing. Like they got nothing out of their bottom six. So if like you look at a guy like Wayne Simmons, and you're like, well, if the guy's not going to score goals, at least he's going to be providing something somewhere else. What, like what, what were some of these other guys doing? Nothing. They're skating up and down their wing, getting off the ice, skating away from scrums. Not intimidating the other can team. Skate, man. He that guy could still skate. Yep. Like he's no slouch. Yep. Guy needs to stay healthy. That's 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 my main thing for him. Is he if he can stay healthy, I guarantee you we won't have a bad thing to say about this guy. I love him already. Who wouldn't? And whoever doesn't needs to put down their calculator and start watching hockey. Later in the day, a move that I think surprised all of us, Ryan. The Leafs signed left-handed but right-sided defenseman TJ Brody. Four years, $5 million average annual value. Is TJ Brody, will TJ Brody be the best defense partner Morgan Riley's ever had? I, I'm not, I don't know. I really don't know. Is he I, a top four defenseman in your eyes? Yes, 100%. 100% this guy's a top four defenseman. Is he Alex Petrangelo? No, he's not. Is he Is he an absolute stud? No. But when you look at what they had on that back end, just adding a guy like him, it's just it's instant improvement, okay? Like, I'm not going to sit here. I'm not going to get all over TJ Brody. I, I, I think he's a good player. I I think I like his stats. I even looked at his analytics for all you people out there. And the analytics community is a big fan of this guy because he can complete a stretch pass, which is all Maple Leaf style, and he has a low turnover rate in the D zone. See, I did my analytical homework. Good for – look at you. I know. Well done. Know. You're, you're appealing to the masses on this podcast. Exactly. I got to broaden my horizons here. But I – I, I was trying to think of some examples earlier, and and I just I couldn't put the names on them. But it's just how many times has a guy come here, put on that jersey, and just 
kind of left people a little disappointed because of the expectations were so See high. See Tyson Berry. Yeah. And but the thing I like about TJ Brody is and, and I think Kyle Dubas alluded to this is he was a guy who played with Mark Giordano for a couple of years and that he he's a Norris Trophy defenseman. So he knows what it's like to play with an elite defenseman and it just any sort of upgrade to that blue line is something to me. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a, a top defenseman. He's going to be Morgan Riley's defense pair. Him, Morgan Riley may not mesh together. He m- might go play with Muzzin or somebody else. But it's just anything's an improvement over what they had. Anything. Yeah, I think um, we're in the same camp with that. Like, I'm always going to take a measured approach with defensemen. Because, like like I just mentioned, like Tyson Berry last year came in with all the hype in the world and was literally, in all my years watching the Maple Leafs, if their top five whiffs, he's in there. Like, he's he's in the conversation with David Clarkson for just wow, wow, wow career as a Maple Leaf. <laughs> like, just brutal. Dude, get... I'll give you Joe Sackick's phone yeah. number. You can give him yeah. a call. Just get fleeced. I'm sure he'll agree with you because he said, we'll take Kadri, we'll give you yep. Barry, and we'll retain some of his yep. salary. That's how bad we don't yep. want him yep. here. Yep. Uh, yeah. Brutal. And good luck to Tyson Barry on had, future I, I had such a fun time reading all these guys who cover all the Western teams who clearly didn't watch that many Leaf games last year who were like teams circling Tyson Barry. Could be a could be an immediate injection to fix the top four, and I was like, <laughs> okay, you know what? Bring, bring <laughs> bringing up TJ Brody, actually bring up Barry, uh, a guy. Oh, it's funny that you say that because I could just picture what those reporters are saying. Just like offensively skilled, had fifty quarterback, points, the, be power on the power play. play. And and that kind of reminds me of reading about TJ Brody. What I do like about what I. Like, I've seen him play, but I'm not watching every Calgary Flame game. So I'm relying on other people's opinions and, and what they think of him. And one thing they do say is this guy is a defensive defenseman. He takes care of his house first before he starts making the pinch or going for a stupid rush, you know? Like, I, I'm all about D stepping up, but... Maybe that's why he'll work with Morgan Riley if people want that to work out because Morgan's that guy. So if you can have a guy who's D first and take care of the D zone first, then maybe it does work out. After that, the Leafs signed somebody named Travis Boyd who uh, played for the Washington Capitals last year while the Capitals AHL affiliate, the uh, Hershey Bears, a little bit. He's just a depth center option. I'm sure he'll be with the Marlies unless there's an injury or if they don't upgrade um, that 4C position. But uh, we'll have to see how it goes. Next, moving on. We don't need to talk that much about Travis Boyd. Um, No offense, Travis, but it's just... No offense to Travis, just depth. Let's add to the depth. Why not? No offense to Travis. It's just we don't know you and haven't seen you. I'm sure if if you play well, we'll talk all about you. You might even get a beauty of the week. And Travis, I don't want to pretend yeah. to know you like some of these guys I hear talking about these moves. Ryan, what we're going to talk about next, it this fan base 
drives me insane. The Leafs deal Andreas Janssen to the New Jersey Devils for a young player named Joey Anderson. Okay? Joey Anderson played a few games in 1920 for the Devils. Played 18 games. Okay? Still trying to find his way as an NHL player. So they basically traded Andreas Janssen for a depth piece. And they probably liked Joey Anderson better than the third or fourth round pick Jersey was going to offer the first go around. Right? The amount of people who are upset about the moving of Andreas Janssen. What? Like... The team hasn't won anything. They haven't won anything. It's it's time to move on from some of these guys. Like, you moved on from Kapanen, you got a first-round pick. That was a pretty damn good return for Kasperi Kapanen, in my opinion, okay? Andres Janssen is a guy, he makes too much money, he never did anything. Like, and I don't want to hear, like, oh, he's got, uh, he, he provided some good offense uh, two years ago, and he was a key, he was a key cog in the Marley's, uh, Calder Cup run. It's like, no, no. It's time to it's time to get some new bodies out and new fresh faces in. Why do you want to hold on to Andreas Janssen? What is it about Andreas Janssen that you think is so great? I I, I don't get it. Here, I, I I'm with you. Here's what I don't get about it. It's what does Andreas Janssen bring to your hockey team? Like, what does he really bring? Okay. He brings speed. He brings the ability to score. If if all these analytical people want to just dissect the game and the numbers, like I'm going to level with you on terms of the type of player this guy is. He's a he can score the he can put the puck in the net, and he's got speed. But at the end of the day, the guy's a bottom six forward, maybe on a second line. He brings you maybe on his best season twenty goals a year. 40 to 50 points. Other than that, not much. You bring in, you offload that salary, which I agree with you, overpaid, falling in love with a guy, which is this city's worst John McDonald syndrome ever. Yeah, let's let's fall in love with a guy because he plays for us and he scored a couple decent goals. Then you bring in a guy like Wayne Simmons, okay? And guys like me and you, non-analytical people, we talked about earlier, love it. He's tough. He brings culture to the room. But it's like this guy, say he gets 10 points less than Andreas Janssen, and he gives away gives away the puck 10 more times. The fact that he can drop the gloves and the fact that the guy's done something in this league and has a presence, to me, is worth so much more than your little analytical ozone time or getting through the neutrals. Like, I don't care about that. I don't care. I care about a guy coming in here and changing what is wrong with this hockey team, which is the attitude and the willingness and the heart. Give me 10 less points and a couple more giveaways for a guy who's going to contribute more to the heart to this hockey team. Okay. Like, I, I don't care about the speed. I don't care about the goals. I don't care about times entered the zone. I, I don't care I about that. I think the analytical fans, so we're really going hard on the analytics uh, 
community right now. I think the fans who are into that, like, it, it, they enjoy watch. It's part of the watching experience for them. Like, it's part of the the enjoyment of sports for them. They like uh, following all the numbers and following all the s- possession stats and and just. It's part of the fun for them. It's it's like a, it's like a math equation to like sports is like a math equation. And that's like and that's fine if if that's how you want to enjoy watching the game and that's how you feel. That's all good. Where you lose me though is when you're getting upset about breaking up a team that's been a disappointment for three years in a row. That's where you lose me. Is it's like it, it analytics are important, but they're not as important as winning games. And so, like, don't tell me that they had a great expected goals ratio or whatever, however the hell you say it, when they lost the game. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You didn't win the game. That's that's where that's where it falls apart for me. Like, just so if you want to use it as like a guide, and if you want to use it in player evaluation, that's fine. But for you not to accept that there was going to be some like. A, a key, not that I would call Andres Janssen a key piece, but if you if you're so reliant on it that you can't accept that moving out Andres Janssen is something that had to be done, I don't know what to tell you. Like I really don't know what to tell you. Yeah, and and let's just look at the facts. Here's what I know: this core is good enough to make the playoffs. They've made the playoffs every single year, whether that's through more zone entries. Through any stat you can think of, this core is good enough to make the playoffs, okay? So, all those numbers that you love about Janssen and you and you love about Kapanen and you hate about Wayne Simmons and you hate about any new guy they add, at the end of the day, it's the big dogs running the yard in the regular season. If Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Riley... Tavares, the names go on. If they're on, they're making the playoffs. What's the problem with this team? Once they get in the playoffs, all those numbers that you're talking about are irrelevant. They're gone. They don't matter anymore. And that's where guys like Wayne Simmons come into play. And that's why they're going to get these hockey players. Not because of possession numbers or speed. They're going to get these players for game one, round one of next year's playoffs. That's why they're going to get these guys. So to your point, the same argument was being made about the signing of Zach Bogosian. Um, Leaf signed him to a one year, $1 million deal. Um, same sort of thing. The, the, the analytics community didn't like it. Um, I don't know how, is Zach Bogosian an elite defenseman in this league? No, he's Are not. Are you paying him like one? No. Is he going to play in your top four? Absolutely not. Was he not. just on the Stanley Cup champions? Yes, Thank sir. Thank you. So you're, 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 you're removing Cody Cece, who at this point, putting you or I on the Leafs blue line is an upgrade from Cody Cece, and replacing him with... A guy in Zach Bogosian who's going to be in the spot he should be in as your sixth or seventh guy. And you're adding him who's been there, won a cup, into your room for one year. 
And it's not like they like gave up yeah. anything crazy Explain to get to this me guy. The downside in that. Exp- I I I get like I've seen him play for a long time. He was drafted in the Luke Shen year. He's been around for a bit. Who Luke Shen also won a Stanley Cup, which is ironic. But I get it. This guy, he doesn't have a lot of speed. He's going to make some bonehead plays. There's no doubt. I'll give you that. He's going to throw a couple pizzas up the middle. Doesn't have a lot of speed anymore. Also a guy who, who who's dealt with injuries as well. But the point you just made is exactly it. There's no risk to this. There's none. All you're doing is adding another guy who can drop the gloves and punch somebody in the face when it's time to play the Boston Bruins in the yes. first round. And he's battle-tested. That's what you're doing. He's battle-tested, man. That is yes. it. That's And I know hockey's not a part of, or fighting's not a part of the game anymore. Bull shit. Like, it's, it's, it is. Like, I'm sorry. It is. You need to be tough. You need to be intimidating. And the thing about Jake Muzzin coming over here, Jake Muzzin can throw a hit, okay? He can lay somebody out. But when you bring Jake Muzzin over here, who's traditionally not a guy who can drop the gloves, it, there's a lot of pressure on him to be the tough guy. And it's not easy. What I like about these additions to this team, it's like, okay, you bring in two guys who are, are established names in this league, and you bring them together, and both of them are tough as nails. So you can change that culture, and people can start to feel more comfortable because they're going to have more people who have their back. Jake Busson's going to play like he's seven feet tall now because he's got two guys to back him up, and he can back himself up as well. But, you know, like, it's just, I love it. I love bringing multiple guys in. If you're bringing one guy in, it's tough to be the tough guy on this team, especially when you're not that tough. I, I just bring them all in. Bring them in. This team needs it. Let's go. The last, I'm the about last it. signing of note during free agency was bringing in left wing Jimmy VC, who sort of fits the Kyle Dubas mode, more of a guy, more of a skilled guy, um, kind of a depth wing piece. You could see him potentially moving up the lineup if there's an injury and playing with a Matthews or a Tavares or being down on the third or fourth line. Um Another another sort of risk free signing. They sign him for for one year at nine hundred grand. Like the, the one thing I will give Kyle Dubas a lot of credit for, and that I really like, is the term. Like he he gave Brody four years, but outside of that, he's given everybody like one year at a time. And I I I really really like that approach. And this is a guy who it's just he's a good depth wing piece. And theoretically, you can move him up and down the lineup. And hopefully, you hope with a guy like him that playing with a more talented player like like a Tavares, like a Matthews, um, something like that w- will elevate his game. Like like a Kerfoot will will elevate his game. Yeah, I wonder if they'll keep what position they'll they'll play him at if he does make the lineup because he's traditionally well at this point, Ryan. I see him, but I know he has spent some time on the wing. I see him in the lineup. Like they're not done yet, man. Like you look at their bottom six up front, and it's it 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 needs some work. Like that's that that center position starting to get a little crowded. That's the only thing that I look at um at the roster currently is it's kind of like uh they need to make some more uh, additions. 
to the um to the bottom six group just to have some more competition in there, some more potentially NHL ready guys. But uh, overall, like I said, they're not done. Um, but overall, I would I'm giving a thumbs up to Kyle Dubas. Like uh, he's 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 had a tough go um, since they got eliminated by the Blue Jackets, and he he didn't he didn't do himself any favors at times. And but I thought he I thought he did a really good job here, and I I like the contracts he's given out, and they make sense to me, and I like the direction he's taking the team in, and so he's getting a thumbs up from me. I think if you've listened to the past thirty seven minutes and sixteen seconds. It's pretty obvious at this point that we're both pretty happy with what's going on. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I I don't have a negative thing to say. I really don't. I don't. I, I after that loss to the Blue Jackets, I I had enough. It's over. It's time to start throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks. I had two safe people, Austin Matthews, and I I we didn't get into this, but Freddie Anderson is also on my safe list. But other than that, I didn't care. There's a guy, Ryan. If you had to do what you had to do, then you had to do it. You know, Marner, Nylander, Riley, I don't. I didn't care at that point. It was time to do something drastic. And they haven't done something extremely drastic, but they're starting to change their philosophy a little bit. And, and that's a big so thing. So there's a, a few things I want to touch on uh, before we wrap this thing up. So... We talked a little bit about the defense, and we have not talked about the addition of Miko Lettinen, who is... We, we talked about him b- before, like, during uh, the COVID pause, but, like, it, it's real now. When they come back and open camp, he'll be there with the team. He's alone from your favorite uh, KHL team, Joker. Um, and he's KHL Defenseman of the Year. Now, I don't know how that translates to the NHL game, but all signs point to this being a skilled guy that they're going to add to their blue line. So, and, and again, he's only making nine hundred twenty-five grand. He's alone, so he could leave the team at any time if it doesn't work out. So, yet another sort of risk-free move that has limited downside, in my opinion. Yeah, just add depth to that defense because you don't know who's going to be playing well and who's going to be not playing well. And you got Rasmus Sandin still pushing for a spot. You got Lilligren still pushing for a spot. You got Justin Hull still there. You got Muzzin. You got Brody. You got Riley. Dermott's trying to figure out his contract or his money situation. That's the interesting thing, right? So they offered, they've, they've uh, given Dermott a qualifying offer. Um, I don't have it in front of me what exactly it is they offered him, but he's an RFA, and so they got to get him signed. And so you wonder where he fits in in all this, right? And, like, where guys... So if you look, it's like you got Muzzin, you got Riley, you got Brody, you got Bogosian. So I'm not saying Bogosian's in the top... And Justin yeah, Hull. No, but I'm, I, let's, um, yeah, Justin Hull. But first and foremost, let me clarify. I'm not saying Bogosian's in the top four. I'm saying he'll just be on the roster. Those are the four guys that are 100% going to be on the roster. Then, where does Justin Hull slot in? Where does Travis Dermott slot in? Where does Rasmus Sandin slot in? Do you just go with seven defensemen? Yeah, here's my... I think you're going to have your your Riley, Muzzin, and Brody are going to be just the automatic guys you're relying on every single night. 
you're gonna have Justin Hall 100% in the lineup. That that's what I believe is he's he's a staple in there. I think Kyle Dubas absolutely loves this guy, and he signed him last season or the season before that. I can't remember. It's been so and long whole, that I think Justin Hall playing in in the being in the four or five spot is where he belongs. He's not your number three guy. He's your number yeah no hundred yeah. percent and and I don't I don't have anything like do I love him no do I think he's awful no I think he's just kind of there and and if he could improve and just have a career year then that's even better he has the opportunity and the possibility to do that but I I think about Bogosian is like I we love him for the for the toughness factor but some nights he may not be the best option to put in the lineup which I get. And I think they're going to give this Lettinen kid every opportunity in the world. So I think Sandine's getting squeezed. And I don't know about Travis Dermott yet either because they still have some cap juggling to do. Yep. Like they still have some more work to do. And they got to get him and Mikheyev done. I'd love to to, uh, get them in like a candid moment and ask them what they think about Travis Dermott. Like because he, he... it takes defensemen a long time to mature. Like Morgan Riley's a prime example of that. However, like you, you, you kind of waited for Dermot to take a step this year, and he just never took it. And so you're kind of like, do we wait it out on this guy? Who's better? I look at Sandin and I look at Dermot, and I'm like, who's the better one of the two? Because that's the one I'm keeping, and the other one I'm moving on from. Yeah, that's a tough one because I think watching Rasmus Sand Sandin or Sandine, I still can't decide what it is. Watching him play, the guy can pass the puck at an elite level. That's what I know. What I know about Travis Dermott is he's got some fiery intensity, and he also can move the puck. But Travis Dermott, I feel like if you were to ask them, he would they would say like we we like Travis Dermott a lot, but there also is that ceiling that isn't quite he hasn't quite like hit yet you know he's got more and defensemen do progress at a slower rate so I I don't know it's gonna be very tough it's gonna be very tough to decide but this is good stuff though if you're debating who's gonna be in your sixth spot like this is good stuff this means you have depth and this means that's what depth is and for and, and I'm looking at it I've got cap friendly up in front of me here and like Looking at it, for a team that's, like, strapped for cash, you've got two years left of Rasmus Sandin at his entry level, on his entry level contract, which is 894 grand. So, like, you, you, know, you, you know you've got some security there for at least two more years, which kind of puts the bullseye on Dermot even more. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting because you never know. They can go out and get somebody else. And two okay. guys get squeezed, or three guys. You don't know. Two two more things I want to discuss with you before we get out of here. So it's looking more and more like they will. They're going to ride this out with Freddie Anderson. Freddie Anderson has one year left on his deal, five million dollars. I know how you feel about Freddie Anderson. Um, I'm at a point where. You got nothing to lose with bringing him back. Like that's that's how I that's how I see it. Is it's like he last year was 
was a low point for him in his career. Like I didn't watch much Freddie Anderson in San Jose, but I find it hard to believe that last year was probably one of the worst years of his career. Like it just is like a total season. And so he'll be coming back. He has something to prove. He wants to be here. Um, you know, you kind of know what you have with him. Uh, he's proven, like playoffs aside, he's proven he's a good like regular season goalie and can get you into the playoffs. And then in the playoffs, it's it's on him to sort of exercise the demons. So, unless somebody comes at you with a super enticing offer that includes him in it, which I don't think is going to happen. Why not just let him play out the string and see see how next year goes with him as your goalie? And Kyle Dubas uh, hinted that that is what their plan is going to be. So let's let's roll. Let's roll with Freddie. I, I, people know how I feel about Freddie, but I haven't given my recent take on it. Do me a favor, okay? For all these people who are hard on Freddie Anderson, and I get that you there's a wanting of him to perform better in the playoffs, and I get that. I, I, I feel that. But pull up a history. You can go on Google and type in Toronto Maple Leafs goalie history. Oh, it's a graveyard. And you can go from the first lockout season after the 04-05 lockout and – just write down, take out a pen, bring out a notepad, and write down every single goalie that was in the net for this hockey team before Freddie Anderson showed up. And you will proceed to go to your washroom, open up the porcelain bowl, and spew all in, all in it. It's <laughs> it atrocious, is, it okay? Is. You don't know a good thing till it's gone. Yes, you want more from him in the playoffs. I get that. But what... They haven't had a goalie who can play 50-plus games a year and be a guy who can get Ws, okay? It may not always be pretty. He may always let in a softy. But he is a proven regular season winner. He can make the playoffs. And you don't know what that's like until it's gone. And they don't have anybody coming. They have nobody coming. They don't have a Samson off in, in Washington. They don't have the kid who just took over in New York. They don't have that. They have nothing. Two things on Freddie Anderson. One, uh, theoretically, this season coming up should be a a lighter workload for him because he has finally has a competent backup. First one he's had since Curtis McElhaney. First guy they can put in there that they can trust. Um, So that should help his workload. Second of all, I think the fear with Freddie Anderson is even if he does have another like mediocre year, he's still going to command six, seven, eight million dollars on his next contract. I don't know though. Yeah. I don't know. You look at what these goalies have signed for this offseason. I think Robin Leonard's a better goalie than Fred Anderson. You know what Robin Leonard just signed for? Five million dollars. Yeah. The, the, the market for goaltending after Sergei Bobrovsky took Florida and just stole their money for $10 million, and even though Carey Price is, is a legend, $10 million for a goalie, uh-uh, they're not happening yeah, anymore, yeah. okay? There's, there's tandems in this league now. There's there's teams that have proven you can have a 1A and a 1B, and I feel like that's what some teams are going for. These guys aren't getting that money anymore. I guarantee you that you can get Freddie Anderson back next year for 
he's not asking for more than six. I can promise you that right now. There's no way. And I just, it's, it's to me, I like Freddie a lot, but to me, it's less about Freddie and more about once that goalie who's pretty good is gone, you're in big trouble. You're in huge trouble. So you better hold on to that as long as you can and, and hope for the best. Before we sign off here, there's one last um, topic that we need to discuss. There's been some smoke in the Maple Leaf Twitterverse, the Newswire, the last couple of days. And one thing we know is where there's smoke, there's fire. Ryan, Jumbo Joe Thornton, rumored to be intrigued at the idea. Like, like to the point where Pierre Lebrun said that it's really down to the Sharks and the Leafs to sign with the Leafs on a one-year deal. The logistics of the Leafs' cap situation, it is what it is. If Thornton's coming here, he's taken as little money as as he's willing to take and they're going to give him. So it's not like Thornton's going to come here and sign some monster contract. They can't afford it. So if the rumors are still persisting after the that reality, then you know that that's where his head is at. And interesting, to your point earlier about if you live in this area and if you're from this area with the pandemic, playing here is much more appealing. Ryan, I love the idea of putting Jumbo Joe in that oh, dressing room. Save. I oh, love the too, idea. Man. Like, listen, there's been a lot of 2020 hindsight lately about John Tavares. And would you do the John Tavares deal again? And to me, that's stupid. Like, you and I have, have were vocal this past season about um, his play at times and said he didn't look great. However, you put us in that negotiation room with Tavares and his camp a couple of, uh, off seasons ago, we all would have signed John Tavares at that time, okay? So sitting here, like, being hindsight armchair GM is stupid. However, one thing about John Tavares that I think has kind of, like hindered I don't want to say that how do I say this like one thing about him that I think I guess hasn't helped is this is a team that as as I was saying earlier is they I don't know if they are but I'm just telling you what I see and what I see is a lot of the times they do come off like a bunch of entitled kids right and John Tavares isn't the type of raw raw get in your face type leader he's more of like a uh, I the best thing I can compare him to is like a Kawhi Leonard like does his talking on the ice is a consummate professional shows up does everything you're supposed to do all that kind of stuff but I do think this team needs an element of a grizzled veteran in the room that looks at some of these kids and goes you're nothing we're nothing until we win a playoff series. And I think Brendan Shanahan knows that. And I think Jumbo Joe Thornton is exactly what the doctor ordered when it comes to culture shift in the dressing room. Yeah, this this podcast is getting a little ridiculous because we just keep agreeing over and over again. I, I said this before we jumped on the pod. I was talking to somebody and I said, the thought of Joe Thornton coming here gets me fired up because this is a guy who was a number one overall pick 
who went through the hype, who went through being traded a couple of times, a guy who's had serious expectations on him. And to be honest with you, he doesn't have a reputation as a winner, which, which like this team wants to add winners. But at the end of the day, this guy has led the league in points. He's been a top point getter, not for the past three or four years, but previous to that was a top point getter in this league for a very long time and a top player in this league for a very long time and has a legendary um, like legendary aura about him as Jumbo Joe in the locker room and the beard and everything. You just bring Simmons, Bogosian, Thornton, you have Spezza, you have Muzzin still, and you bring all those guys in as one unit to kind of take over the room, like that that is exactly what they need, man. You can't just, I said it earlier, you can't just do it with one guy, maybe even two guys. If you just bring all these people together, all to one in this dressing room to kind of morph it into something new, to have a new voice, to have a new feel, a new aura, a new shift, this is the perfect guy to bring in. Do I expect him to be a top player in the league. Is he going to look slow sometimes? All that. He's going to have his issues. But at the end of the day, he's a guy who has name value and a guy who players will respect because of his name and what he's done in this league. Ryan, if he comes That's in... That's it. If he comes in and you're you're paying him nothing, again, I don't. I, I'm not worried about it. And he's cast in the right role, which is fourth line center. I I have zero zero issues, zero. Like you're you're paying for the impact he's going to have on your young players. So the tweet I saw today from Pierre LeBrun was he says to follow up on Myrtle's piece. My understanding is that both Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe have talked to Joe Thornton about the Leafs interest. So let's see where this goes. Feels like the sharks or Leafs at this point. I do think jumbo would be a terrific fit in Toronto. So if you, if you're this guy, Ryan, like you got your, your best days are behind you. And if, if it, if it's the Leafs or the sharks, the, the San Jose Sharks are going to be brutal. They're yeah, awful. Like, they're brutal. Awful. So why not? Why not come here? And it's like, listen, we all know that your salary cap hit might be $700,000. But we also know that Brendan Shanahan is going to think you're a legend for signing here for $700,000 and make everything worth your while and hook you up with the best accommodations you could ever ask for and everything you need you're gonna get so why not why not joe why not the only reason for him going back to san jose at this point is he's just so comfortable with the life he's built there that is it that is the only reason why he's going back there everything else hockey related it makes all the sense in the world to come to the maple leafs 100 percent that that's yeah. it. So well, let's see what happens. I I just I it's it's like a fairy tale brewing up for me. It's not like they're gonna go out and win a cup, but there's there's just like stories throughout history of like the old grizzle veterans getting mixed with the new guys and just passing on their their knowledge and just bringing a different shift to the room and and 
making guys grow up. Like you look at Sid the Kid, he played with Mario for a year. The year they they lost in the Cup final, they had Gary Roberts on that team. You know, Mark Recchi. They they had a ton of guys. Yep. You know, it, it it's a perfect storm, perfect fairy tale, a story we've seen before. Bring in the veterans to help the guys who don't know how to win get over that hump. You know, I just I love what's yeah, going on. So do I, and I think that the there is truth to these rumors that they they think there needs to be a shift in the dressing room. And I think part of that's coming from Sheldon Keefe. Like, I think he's probably gone and said, listen, like, we got a bunch of kids in here. Like, we got we to gotta get some guys in here who have been through the trenches and know how to win. Yeah, guys who've played in this league for a long yep. time. Long time. So with that, Ryan, I think uh, we've, been here, we've been on here for a good hour now so we can wrap this baby up. Um... Uh, same rules apply for all the Talking Buds listeners. Anything major happens, you can rest assured that we will be, it'll be a day or two after we'll be jumping on to talk about it. But other than that, we're just kind of let this offseason play out. One thing about us that differentiates us from some of these other podcasts or um, sites or whatever that cover the Leafs is I don't, I don't like dealing in hypotheticals. Like there's so many people who are just like, well, what if they did this? They should do that. And it's like, yeah, but they haven't. Like, so like, why why are you and I going to jump on here and waste our time talking coulda, woulda, shoulda when like, we're, like, we're, we're just going to sit back and watch what Kyle Dubas does and we're going to react to it and we're going to talk about it. I couldn't, I love the way you put that. We don't deal in, we should get a shirt yeah, made. We, Talking buds. We don't deal in hypotheticals. Don't. I'm not sitting like I just I can't stand it. I love that. That is that should be a tagline for Dude, this. Dude, I show. can't stand it. Like it's just like I see it on Twitter all the time. Like it's <laughs> just like a bunch of guys just like, well, they could do this, and if they move this guy and they they uh, send this guy down to the Marlies, and it's just like, like that's not gonna happen. Like, do you really have nothing else to do in your life? You have nothing else going on than to sit around and just come up with these imaginary scenarios of things they should and shouldn't be doing? Like, if that's how you feel, then why aren't you, like, why aren't you trying to become a GM in the league instead of getting on Twitter and giving your hot takes? Can you tell I've had just about enough of Leaf Twitter? God, it's awful. It's an awful place. Yeah, it's it's quite the. I think we drew our line in the sand today yep. of where uh, we stand, where we yep. stand yep. on that debate of uh, Leaf fans. Uh, anyways, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back. Kyle Dubis will dictate how soon we are back. Thanks everyone. Hi, I'm Emily Roger. And I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. 
Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.